0: You're listening to a message from the Winsboro Church of Christ. This is the Winsboro.Church podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or prayer requests, you can get in touch with us at any time through our website at Winsboro.Church. If y'all would, before we get started this morning, I'm kind of making this a habit. I would love if you would pray with me just real quick. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning and we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you for the example that it sets for us and how we should live, how we should act, how we should think, how we should speak. And Father, I pray that this morning we will seek to improve the way that we show hospitality to others. Father, may we look at the example of Abraham and Sarah. And Father, may we learn from them and may we be challenged to, to change some of the ways that we act with those around us, with our neighbors, with strangers. And Father, even with our friends and family. Be with us now as we open your word. May everything we do be glorifying to you. It's through Jesus that we pray. Amen. (laughs) This morning, I did forget one announcement, and that is that spring sing has been postponed. So the Harding Spring Sing that we'll be going to, uh, most of the youth and then some of you as adults, it has been postponed. So if y'all could just be praying for all of our Christian colleges, especially and all of the colleges that are meeting online and all of that right now. But this morning, we are taking a look at big tables for the third time. and We have one more lesson after this and before Colby will be here, and we're excited for that. But today, I wanted to talk about practical hospitality. And I thought of no better story in, in my mind than this story of Abraham and Sarah who Without any recollection of that that happening or any foreknowledge, I guess you could say, they take advantage of these three gentlemen who come by way of where they were staying. And I want, for the sake of the recording especially, to read this story one more time. So if you would, turn to Genesis chapter 18. You can follow along even in your own version. Genesis 18. I will probably mess up a couple of these words, Gerald. I thank you for telling me how to say them. (laughs) But I've been saying them a certain way for a couple weeks. (laughs) So we'll see how it goes. Genesis chapter 18, starting in verse 1. And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre. As he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant." Let a little water be brought, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread, that you may may refresh yourselves, and after that you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. So they said, Do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent of Sarah and said, Quick, three seas of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. There's a few things I want to point out as we look at this story. The first is this. These strangers came, when, and as Scripture says, during the heat of the day. Now, most of us living in Texas kind of understand what that means. If it's about noon in the middle of July... You probably don't want to be out working right then, especially not in a place where it's not shaded. And these gentlemen come and it's the heat of the day and they're traveling, and Abraham is sitting there and he notices them. And the reason I want to point that out is because often hospitality or the opportunity for hospitality comes whenever it's inconvenient. Often the opportunity will present itself for you to share with a neighbor, to share with a stranger whenever it's the least convenient for you. And often it's at those moments where they are inconvenienced themselves. See, these strangers are passing by in the heat of the day. I imagine they're tired, they're exhausted, and they're wondering, man, where can I get some relief? And Abraham notices, and he takes advantage. The next thing I want you to notice is that it says that Abraham ran to them. Now, I'll be honest, some of us are getting up there in age, some of you gentlemen, and while it certainly is probably not a good thing to see or witness you gentlemen running, in that culture at the time, Abraham being about a hundred years old or a little more, it was downright shameful to see a man of that age especially to even consider running. It's not shameful because it's just not pretty, although it probably isn't pretty, but it's shameful because a man of that age ought not to be running around frantically. They should be more calm and wise appearing. And these men... Yeah, thank you. <laughs> more of those, yeah, that's good. Abraham, because of this hospitality, this opportunity for hospitality, he was willing to bear the shame that it might bring upon himself. And he, knew, he realized the importance of getting it done quickly for these gentlemen. I bring that up because often whenever we seek to show hospitality to others, we have to recognize that there might be some shame brought on us as well. When we set big tables for our neighbors, for strangers, there might be some shame that is accompanying that. When we seek to show hospitality to the least of these, there might be some shame that others may put on us. and We cannot hesitate to show the hospitality. And then he says, I'll give you a morsel of bread. This may be the understatement of a century. To me, a morsel of bread is like, oh, can, you know, please, sir, can I have some more? Right? Just a little bit, a little bit, you know, morsel like whenever mom's making cookies, it's like, mom, can I have a little morsel of that cookie dough? He says, let me make you a morsel of bread. Just wait right here. And then he goes and he gets Sarah, his wife, he says, quick, take three sias of flour. And some of you in your footnotes, you realize that three sias or sayas, whatever you want to say, that's about seven quarts of flour. And two cups of flour just so we're understanding of what we're talking about here. Two cups of flour make this right here, like I made this morning. You can be proud of me. You can be more proud that I didn't eat any of them. There's eight large southern-style flaky biscuits on this plate. It takes about two cups of flour to do that. One plate, eight large biscuits, but... They didn't just have two cups. No, instead, Sarah grabbed three seahs, or seven quarts, of flour. It was brought to my attention by Eric this morning that some people don't have flour because somebody bought it all. (laughs) We're not all buying for the virus. We're just trying to get a visual across. And so if you need flour after this, this morning, feel free to take one of these bags. I actually made these from a can, so I didn't actually use any of the flour myself. But I want us to see this is seven quarts of flour. Just two cups of this makes eight large. Mmm, flaky southern biscuits. 32 ounces per bag. Ultimately, that flour right there can make about 112 of those biscuits. 112 biscuits makes about 14 plates worth of these right here. And it's all for three men. Three people. This right here, Three people. And that's not all. It says that then Abraham ran to go get a calf from the field. He's running again. Looks like a chicken with his head cut off, running to and fro, just frantically trying to get it all together. Because he wants to serve these men. And he takes those, those cakes, as he calls them, his morsel of bread, and he takes the calf, tender and good, and that's been prepared for them, grabs some milk and some water, and he sets it before the gentleman. And then, my favorite line, it says that Abraham stood by them under the tree while they ate. He didn't even eat any of it. I want us to notice something about the story. When Abraham saw these gentlemen come, he was quick to respond, yes, but... Every person he went and spoke to, both Sarah and the the young gentleman that helped him prepare the calf, not a single person stopped and said, hey, hold on now, what? Not a single person questioned how much was being prepared for only three men. I'll be honest with you, on my best day, I don't know that I can eat this entire plate of biscuits. Try 14 among three people. And nobody stopped to say, hey, should we be doing this? Nobody stopped to say, hey, hold on, who are these men? Nobody stopped to say, why do they deserve it? No, I think that Abraham and Sarah were giving us an example that I believe fits perfectly with our definition of hospitality. That definition is this. When you seek to honor someone with what you have, so they experience the love of God. I'm going to have us say that together one time. You ready? When you seek to honor someone with what you have, so they experience the love of God. All throughout Scripture, we have example after example of how to show hospitality to others. And it's just that. It's seeking the opportunity out to honor them with what we have. We may not have seven quarts, well, I have seven quarts of flour right now, but we may not have this sitting in our pantry. But why is that? Maybe it's because we don't set big tables as often anymore. Maybe it's because when we go to the grocery store, we're, we're buying for us and no one else. Real people extending real love by setting big tables is what hospitality is all about. And this week, I want us to look at four practical elements of showing hospitality so that we can turn our strangers into neighbors, our neighbors, hopefully, into the family of God. So number one, respect the reality of your neighbor's lives. Respect the reality of your neighbor's lives. What do I mean by that? I believe there is a certain amount of respect that everyone, no matter who they are and what they've done, deserves to receive from us as Christians. And in order for us to show respect, in order for us to respect the reality that others are living in, because let's be honest, most of it's not the same reality as ours. In order for that to, have, in order for that to happen, We must be willing to make a distinction. I believe early on in our relationships with others, we need to be able to have an honest conversation with our friends before we even really get into it. And we need them to understand that acceptance does not equal approval. Let me be clear. Acceptance and approval are not the same thing. We are called to love our neighbor. We are called to love them, respect them, and even accept them because they are created by God our Father. This does not mean that we are approving of how they live their life. It may even mean that we're not approving of who they think they really are. Because ultimately, when we come to Christ, we have to recognize that God didn't approve of who we were before we came to Him. First thing we need to remember, if we want to show practical hospitality is to respect the reality that our neighbors are living in. Love and approval do not go hand in hand. I think we understand this, especially for those of you who are parents, right? Parents love love. Their children, even though they don't always approve of what they do. Parents love and accept their children, even when they don't always approve of how they're living. We are called to respect the reality of our neighbors' lives, and it takes practice. In fact, I think this one, for a lot of us, it might be the biggest and the first hurdle that we face when it comes to showing hospitality to our neighbors and our strangers. Number two, pray that you will be a safe person to hear the burdens of your neighbor's heart. Pray that you will be a safe person to hear the burdens of your neighbor's hearts. Ephesians 4.29 says this, let no no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear it. One of the reasons people might not share their burdens or their brokenness with you is because all they've ever gotten in return is a harsh word. All that they've received in return for their brokenness and their trials, their burdens as they've come and asked you to share and bear them with them might have been a harsh glare. Be honest with yourself. When people of the world come and they share the things of their life, are you really able to show them the love and compassion that Jesus Christ has shown us? I'm speaking to myself here. It's not easy. It's not easy when someone lays out their life before you and wants you to bear the burden with them. It's not always easy to end that moment not show a face of judgment this goes back to number one we have to respect the reality that our neighbors are living in and understand that they have not yet accepted ours part of doing that is praying this can start today you can do this right now pray that you will be a safe person to hear the burdens and the brokenness of our neighbor's lives Thirdly, understand the biblical difference between holiness and goodness. Understand the biblical difference between holiness and goodness, and don't be afraid to celebrate the goodness of your neighbor. Let's be clear here. Scripture clearly states that there is none good but the Father. That's Jesus Himself speaking. And all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Even still, by God's grace, our unrighteous neighbors are capable of doing good. You see it yourselves. You have friends that may not believe in God, but they they do a lot for their neighbors and a lot for the community and, and this and that and so on and so forth. As Christians, we have to be willing to celebrate that good that they do, but also show an example of how that good can never save them. The only thing that can save them, the only thing that can save us is the blood of Jesus Himself. It's not the good that I can do. It's not the good that my neighbor can do. But in order for them to see that, part of that means showing the difference between holiness and goodness. I see it a lot when I'm talking to the youth. Right? <laughs> We ask questions like, what can you do to be a good Christian example? And at an early age especially, it's things like, hold the door open for somebody. That's good. That's a real good act. But I'll tell you, I know a lot of atheists who have held the door open for me. And while I can certainly celebrate the good that certain people are doing, I also have to recognize that there is a difference between the good that the world can produce and the holiness that can only be produced by God through us. So, how do our unbelieving neighbors come to know the truth of God's love? I love this passage. Psalm 51, verse 17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. As we spend time loving our neighbor and showing hospitality by setting big tables, we must be close enough to be seen in transparent and vulnerable ways with them. I think the way we can get close to them is by celebrating the good that's being done and joining in that even. But then when we gather close to them, they have to see in vulnerable ways how we have been broken ourselves. You might remember I did a lesson that kind of talked about this idea that through our brokenness, through our trials of life, the light of Jesus is able to shine. And therefore, when that light shines through, we're all left guilty. When that light shines through, we recognize that our goodness, our good works that we try to do, it's just filthy rags compared to the righteousness of God. And we recognize that we need Him. So, Understand the biblical difference between holiness and goodness and don't be afraid to celebrate the goodness of your neighbors. Finally, number four, know why it matters most that we are made in the image of God. Know why it matters most that we are made in God's image. Ephesians 4 verse 24 says, and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. We do just that whenever we renew our minds through God's Word. The Scripture says, so that we might become His righteousness. I don't know if you've thought of this recently, but you, as a Christian, you, as a member of the Winsboro Church of Christ and the Church Universal, you are an image-bearer of the Most High God. You are are what God has chosen to bring His message of reconciliation, redemption, salvation. Those are a lot of big words. It just means come to Jesus. You are the way that God has chosen to do that in this world. We need to know why it matters most of all that we are created in God's image. And that is why we respect the reality of our neighbors' lives. We honor them. And that is why we pray that we will be a safe person to hear the burdens of our neighbors' hearts so they experience the love of God. And that is why we understand the biblical difference between holiness and goodness and we're not afraid to celebrate the goodness of our neighbors. We seek out the ways that we can connect with one another through the goodness and we say, we believe there is a, a, I guess, a nucleus for that goodness. There is one who is good, and that is God himself. As we seek to show hospitality, we need to know why it matters most that we are created in God's image. My final thought for you this morning, with all of this that we've just talked about, and this. Example of hospitality that we saw from Abraham. My challenge to you is to start somewhere and start today. Will you do your part? I'm talking to you specifically. Will you do your part? Will you allow God to transform your life, your home, and your heart to show hospitality to those around you? And this is not for our credit. This is not so that we can be puffed up or considered greater than anyone else, but it's for the glory of God that we do this. When someone is met with the Gospel or the good news of how God has has saved them and has brought them into a relationship with Him, then I believe that they will choose. I believe it was Jeff Walling who said, it takes somebody hearing the gospel message about eight times before they'll ever actually respond. Are we willing to be the first seven? That's what it takes. Are we willing to be the example of hospitality to bring others close so They experience the love of God and therefore they're met with the gospel. Never be afraid of rejection for the gospel's sake. Only be afraid of never sharing the Gospel with others. Do not be afraid of somebody turning down your big table. You might just have a little extra rice and stuff to feed somebody. Be afraid of not ever offering it. My challenge to you today, I kind of questioned whether or not I should challenge you with this based on the circumstances of our world right now. But my challenge to you today remains this over the course of the next week between this Sunday and next Sunday my challenge to you is to have someone from our church in your home have someone from our church in your home it could be for coffee dessert a meal it might just even be to enjoy each other's company for an hour or two i know some of you may not be able to make that happen and I would remind you at this time, we haven't talked about it much in this series, but as much as there is a part of showing hospitality to others, we as Christians are also showed, are called to receive hospitality from others. So not only am I challenging you to think of a way and actually have someone in your home this week, I'm also challenging you, if someone invites you to their home, try to make it happen. Don't fall into the traps of life that says, ah, it would be real nice to cancel those plans. Be willing to make it happen. So, as we close, if you need prayers this morning, if you need to respond to the gospel, our elders and their wives will be in the back. I would encourage you to go back there. But if you need prayers, if you need help with some of these things that we've mentioned this morning, I want to tell you, you're not alone. We all struggle to set big tables. So after we pray and as we sing, I would encourage you to respond. We're here to help. We're here to help you to get over those hurdles that you might have set up for a long time. God is calling you. He's challenging you to overcome them. So if you would, let's stand. I'm going to say this prayer that we've been saying for a couple of weeks now. And after that, we'll have our song to close, and at that time, you can respond. Let's pray. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, shape us in such a way that we let you use our home, apartment, back porch, front yard, or even garden for the purpose of making strangers into neighbors and neighbors into family. Help us stop being afraid of strangers, even when some strangers are dangerous. Grow us to be more like Christ in practicing hospitality, creating a new culture and a new reputation for what it means to be a Christian in a watching world. Help us to see that there's more to the Christian life than we have realized, more to enjoy, more to experience, more to celebrate. And that practicing hospitality is the key to discovering those hidden treasures. Resurrect this practice in the American church and begin with us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.